This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Healthy Versus Toxic, the podcast where licensed mental health professionals explore what makes a relationship healthy or unhealthy or even abusive, all from a scientifically informed perspective. Hello, this is Dr. Grande. Today's question asks, what's meant by the term flying monkeys in the context of narcissism? So flying monkeys are essentially agents of the narcissist, people that carry out requests or sometimes orders made by the narcissist, sometimes because they have to, like in an employment situation, if the narcissist is their boss, some because they want to, so they may be sadistic or share the same goal as the narcissist, and some because they are manipulated into doing so. Now, in clinical practice, I use the term agents instead of flying monkeys. And there are a few reasons for this. So you may be thinking that one of the reasons is because I tend to avoid colloquial terms. And this is correct, but there's actually a couple other reasons as well. The main reason I use agents instead of flying monkeys is the age of the reference. So the flying monkey reference goes back to the movie The Wizard of Oz that was released in 1939. And you could even say further back, to a book written in 1900, The Wonderful Wizard of Oz, which called the characters winged monkeys, not flying monkeys. So because both of those references, of course, are quite old, I've noticed a lot of people don't get them. They've never seen the movie, or if they did see the movie, they don't remember the winged monkeys. And I've only met a few people that have ever read that book from 1900, right? So that just goes out the window. All you really have is the movie. And again, Not enough people have seen that movie. Now, the last reason I use agents instead of the term flying monkey is because in the movie, the 1939 movie, The Wizard of Oz, the winged monkeys didn't talk, and it wasn't clear why they followed orders, the orders issued by the Wicked Witch of the West. So intent is really an important facet of the narcissistic agent construct. So if we don't know the intent, that really makes it confusing, makes it hard to figure out what the flying monkey or the agent is really up to. Now, interestingly, in the book, the winged monkeys were forced to follow orders because of a spell that was attached to this golden cap. And the winged monkeys had the spell cast upon them because they threw a prince in a river, right? So there's a lot to it. So they were mischievous winged monkeys and they got into some trouble. And whoever had this golden cap could issue them three orders. 
So they would work for anyone who had it. They were not necessarily loyal to anyone specifically. And in the book, they were eventually freed from the spell. So when the narcissist uses flying monkeys or agents, what do the agents do? Well, this depends on the situation, but they can carry out a variety of orders or requests, like I mentioned before. So they can just generally support the narcissist, so they can be on the side of the narcissist, loyal to them despite the destructive nature of narcissism. They can echo the message of the narcissist, so they can act in furtherance of gaslighting. So they can say the same thing as the narcissist to manipulate the narcissist, usually romantic partner, into believing that they're the problem. So their romantic partner will believe that they are the problem. So this is really gaslighting by proxy. They can spread rumors about the narcissist partner, and this makes the narcissist seem more credible because now more than one person is saying the same lie. But also it makes the partner of the narcissist feel like they have less worth, right? Rumors are damaging, which of course is something that narcissists typically want to happen to their partner. They want their partners to feel like they have less value, like they're worthless. By putting the partner down, the narcissist feels like they're moving up. The agents can simply be sent to harass or demean a partner of the narcissist. Sometimes these behaviors aren't really complex, so they can just go and harass somebody and cause trouble directly like that. They can be sent to encourage you to make up with the narcissist, like after an argument. So they might say, hey, give them another chance. They're really not a bad person. They're really not narcissistic. It was a big misunderstanding. So really kind of trying to negotiate on behalf of the narcissist. Now, interestingly, they can also be sent to support you around the same goal of the narcissist. So they can seem like they're on your side. They give you somebody to talk to, to vent to about the bad behavior of the narcissist, but really they still have the same agenda in mind, which of course they share with the narcissist. So in essence, they can be sent to make peace. They can also be sent to apologize, something narcissists typically have a lot of trouble doing directly, but they may do by proxy. So the agent might come off very convincing, remorseful, kind of all the characteristics you wish you could see in the partner that's narcissistic, right? You'll see it in that agent, but not in the narcissist. And this can still lead to someone being convinced, right? This can still be persuasive because there's this idea that the narcissist had these feelings, they expressed them to the agent, and you're really seeing them through that agent. So it makes the narcissist seem a little bit more endearing. Another way, of course, you could look at it is by the narcissist using an agent to do that work, that's very destructive and not good communication. So there's two ways to look at this particular type of manipulation or just direction given to the agent. Similarly, I've also seen agents sent in in situations where the narcissist has been cut off by the partner in a more dramatic and definitive way. So the victim says they won't communicate with the narcissist anymore. There's no talking at all. And here's where you'll see the agent show up, kind of out of nowhere. So not having any contact, any communication with a narcissist is kind of a powerful position. Narcissists don't enjoy that loss of control. So again, agents tend to be sent right after that type of decision is made. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound. And you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Now, agents can do other things as well. These are just some of the common behaviors I've seen for the agent. So what are some of the characteristics of narcissistic agents, these flying monkeys, so to speak? What is their intent? What motivates them? What do they believe? Well, agents are usually friends or family of the narcissist. As I mentioned, they can also be employees. There are many different categories of agents in terms of personality characteristics, disposition, and traits. So I'll mention a few, I think, really common ones here. So we see one type of agent is the well-intentioned busybody, right? Eager to get involved in somebody else's business, eager to get involved in something that's dramatic regardless of whether it makes sense or not. So essentially, kind of like dramatic sensation seeking, right? So they just want excitement and they like drama. So the narcissist offers that through the contentious relationship with the partner. So sometimes, again, there's not any ill intent. It's just that attraction to that particular type of action, that particular type of sensation. On the other hand, of course, you do have the ill-intentioned busybodies as well, also known as troublemakers. This is especially the case when we see the spreading of rumors. So sometimes people just do this because they like to see destruction, not necessarily because they believe in the agenda of the narcissist. Of course, some people do believe in the agenda of the narcissist. So this would be the loyal, Machiavellianistic, and sometimes narcissistic type agents. So the agents can be narcissistic themselves. They view themselves as an agent of the narcissist, so they understand their role. They are aware of what they're doing. So this kind of loyal agent would probably be more inclined to follow the more extreme and direct types of orders. For example, directly harassing the partner or victim of a narcissist. The next type is an agent who's weak. And what I mean by this is not strong enough to resist the will of the narcissist. So not exactly as much manipulated as fearful or scared, right? So employees are a good example. They're afraid to lose their job, their money, status, maybe the kind of work they want to do. They want to get transferred to another area of a company. And if the boss is a narcissist, they just can't resist that. In a way, of course, they are still being manipulated, but this is really about fear in this situation. They don't want to lose something that the narcissist is giving them. And then, of course, we have the category which is just plain manipulated. These agents fall subject to the same manipulation that the narcissist typically uses with great success against people like romantic partners. So it's understandable how the narcissist convinces the agents that the agents are actually doing something good in the situation, like protecting the narcissist who believes themselves to be innocent. 
So it is important to remember in all this that agents can be victims too. They can be manipulated, bullied, tricked, lied to, and they can hope that they can be spared the wrath of the narcissist. So what's the personality profile of the narcissistic agent? So using the five-factor model, I remember it through the acronym OCEAN, Openness to Experience Conscientiousness, Extroversion, Agreeableness, and Neuroticism. We could see any profile, but typically there are going to be some traits in certain directions. So with openness to experience, I haven't really seen any trends. The narcissist agents tend to have low conscientiousness, so they tend to be impulsive and not really necessarily aware of how the people feel. In terms of extroversion, these agents tend to have high extroversion. So this would kind of explain the enthusiasm and the energy they bring to their work when working for the narcissist. And because a lot of the orders of the narcissist involve communicating, there's a social aspect. So somebody who's extroverted would be more attracted to that. And that would, of course, include the drama component, being attracted to drama. In terms of agreeableness, we tend to see high agreeableness. So this is somebody who tends to be trusting and they go along with what people say. So they're more easily manipulated, especially at the very high end of agreeableness. And then for neuroticism, I would say mostly mid-range to high neuroticism, although, of course, low neuroticism could be represented as well, especially if the orders that the agents follow are sadistic in some way. So another question I get around flying monkeys or narcissist agents is, how do you convert the agent to your side? Well, if they work for the narcissist directly, like an employee, or they're afraid, or they're loyal to the narcissist for some other reason, it's really hard to change somebody's mind in that situation. If they're manipulated, so they come to you and they're manipulated by the narcissist, there's a few different options. There's no advice, of course, that's perfect for every situation, but there's some different general tips that I've seen successful in certain situations with narcissist agents. So one tip here would be don't try to convince them of anything. If the narcissist manipulated them to get them to the point where they are, it's, again, kind of hard to change their mind, and it's hard to manipulate as effectively as someone who's narcissistic. So I would say probably a better strategy in most situations would be to act unimpressed, uninterested, confident, and mysterious when the narcissist agent approaches you. Let them wonder what you might know without really being clear about what you know essentially being a little bit dismissive of the message of the narcissist, which of course is delivered by that agent. In addition, you could consider changing the topic, taking an interest in the agent, get the agent to talk about themselves instead of what the narcissist wants them to talk about. I suppose even letting the agent know that you forgive them, if that's authentic, so you kind of know they were sent by the narcissist, and you forgive them. I think the reason that this works is because a lot of times when these agents are sent by the narcissist, they're really feeling kind of trapped, like caught in the middle, and they don't really want to be there. So by forgiving them, you kind of give them an opportunity to discard that behavior, right? To give up that behavior. Essentially, you're allowing them to hold on to their dignity through that forgiveness, right? They could hold on to their dignity anyway, but you're making it easier for them. Now, if the agent keeps on pressing, I would say, one strategy would be to end the conversation. If they're trying to mediate between you and the narcissist, like in a situation where someone's separated from the narcissist, 
It's hard to see how communication through a third party like this is really going to solve anything. Most of the time, we think of this in the mental health treatment community anyway, as a fairly unhealthy way to communicate. So looking at these different items and kind of summing it up, these items kind of take the pressure out of the situation by failing to respond and talking about something else. A strong negative reaction will be information that gets back to the narcissist. A lot of times the narcissist is really waiting to hear from the agent about the reaction, and you don't want to give the narcissist that satisfaction for a number of reasons, but an important reason is you don't want to reinforce the behavior, right? So if you supply information to the agent and they run back to the narcissist, and the narcissist is thrilled that they were able to generate this reaction, especially by proxy, that's going to generate more of that same behavior and you'll be visited again by that agent or other agents. So those are just some of my thoughts. Of course, the only real advice would be to see a mental health counselor. They are trained to deal with situations like this. And whenever we see kind of a triangulation like this, where you have two people and then a third person is brought in for some purpose, it gets complex. There's sometimes family dynamics behind it. So again, a counselor is really in the best position to offer the type of support and potentially treatment that may be indicated in that type of situation. Thanks for listening. This has been a production of Ars Longa Media. The producers for this show are Christopher Brightigan and Madison Linden. The executive producer is Dr. Patrick Beeman. For more content, please visit our website at arslanga.media. To leave feedback or suggestions, send an email to info at arslanga.media. To find more content from Dr. Grande, including a link to his YouTube channel and his other Ars Longa podcasts, visit our website at arslanga.media. This podcast is intended for informational purposes only and should not be construed as medical or mental health advice. Ars Longa, Vita Brevis. Welcome to the Bravery Academy. My name is Emma Ferris and I'm your host. This podcast is crafted to share the stories of courageous individuals who've overcome adversity and found the courage to live their best lives. We'll explore the science of well-being, courage and connection and interview top thought leaders, game changers and survivors. And it's from these stories that we learn what resilience is, how to heal, how to recover and how to be brave.